Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there this morning. These days when we honor our mothers on Mother's Day and when we honor our fathers on Father's Day, they are times of celebration, they're times of honor, they're times of gathering together as family, and uh, they're happy days. But uh, they're also, I think, times that uh, bring about memories of sadness and sometimes memories of guilt. You know, for some of us, each one of us had different relationships with our father or with our mother. Some of us had a very good relationship with our father. Some, maybe not so much. One thing we can acknowledge is that there is no human father that is perfect. Our fathers were not perfect. For those of us who are fathers here this morning, we are by no means perfect. We're all sinners, aren't we? And we sin in many ways. And for this, we're thankful for the grace of God. But there is one father who is perfect. There's one Father who is perfect, and only one, and that is God. God, our Creator, is the only perfect Father that has ever existed. And this morning, what I want to do is is I want to hold up to us the picture of perfect fatherhood from Psalm 146. Now, this portrait of fatherhood in Psalm 146, is it's not I don't intend for it, and I don't think it's intended to intimidate us or to to discourage us. Obviously, we will not be able to mimic the perfect fatherhood of God. I don't want this to be intimidating or discouraging. Quite the opposite. This portrait of God as our perfect father is meant to remind us of the ways in which God has had compassion on us. We were all wayward children weren't we? We were all wayward children. We were runaways, if you will. We were lost and broken and dirty and hungry, and he adopted us. He became our father by grace when he took us into his household. He cleansed us. He put a new robe of righteousness on us, and he fed us at his table. And he wrote us into the inheritance of Christ. Now, having been welcomed into the family of God by grace and given the privilege of calling the God of the universe our Father, we look to his life. We look to his character. We look to his model to show us the way to walk in this world. So for those of us who are fathers, God is the perfect model of fatherhood. He is the perfect model of a protector and provider. For mothers, God is the perfect example of a caregiver and a nurturer. For sons and daughters, God is the perfect example of justice and mercy to the needy and the downtrodden. We are not and have never been perfect, but we have been adopted into the family of God. And so we look to our Heavenly Father for the way to live. And so may His life and His divine character show us that way. Psalm 146 says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. 
I will praise the Lord all of my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm that was written centuries ago to be sung by a congregation of worshipers in praise to you, our loving Father. So, Father, may we use this as a psalm of praise this morning. As we think about you and your character, may we honor you and exalt your name because of who you are. Lord, may we also learn from this psalm the aspects of your character that we might seek to emulate as your children. So, Lord, use this, your holy word today, and may your spirit impress it upon our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to see, first of all, from Psalm 146, that our God is a father that is worthy of praise. Our God is a father worthy of praise. In the first two verses, we see the psalmist issue a call to praise God. He says, praise the Lord. And this is a call to communal praise. The idea of communal praise is for the whole congregation of God's people, of all the worshipers to gather together and to lift up in praise the name of God. And so this is issued forth as an imperative, as a call for all of God's people to come together and to praise. Praise the Lord. So this is a call to communal praise. But it also mentions the desire of the psalmist personally to praise. So there's communal praise, congregational praise, but there's also personal praise. He says, I will praise the Lord all of my life. Praise the Lord, my soul. In other words, down to the inmost being of my existence, I desire to praise the holy and the living God. Communal praise, individual, personal praise, and enduring praise. He says, I desire to sing praise to my God as long as I live. I will praise the Lord all my life. Is God worthy of that kind of praise? He is, isn't he? He is worthy of that kind of praise. He is worthy of the praise of all of his people. He is worthy of our praise down to our inmost being. And he is worthy of our praise for all of our lives. As Paul says in Romans 12, may we offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is our acceptable act of worship and praise. He is a father 
who is worthy of praise. He is a father who is one you can depend on. He's a father worthy of praise. Why is he praiseworthy? Because he's a father you can depend on. In verse 3 it says, Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. And he remains faithful forever. And so what you have in verses 3 through 6 is a contrast between the frustrating situation of those who depend on people and the blessed situation of those who depend on God. It's contrasted. So those who depend on people, they are constantly frustrated and disappointed. But those who depend on God are blessed and rewarded. So the frustrating situation of those who depend on human strength, he says, don't put your trust in princes, in human beings. Why? Because they can't save. Now, notice that there is, in, in, our, in our times, there, there is, in, throughout human history, there has been this illusion of human strength and power. And there have been times, and we feel it even today, that we feel like we can put our confidence in people or in things that people have instituted. And what this psalm reminds us of is that even the most noblest of princes, the highest of authorities, the wealthiest of individuals, the ones who have the most power and influence, the ones who have the ability to affect the most change and the possibility to bring about the most results, they will fail you. Human strength and influence and power, it's an illusion. It will fail you. They will let you down. One reason they'll let you down is because they're frail and they die. The frailty of mortal human beings. He says in verse 4, when their spirits depart, they return to the ground. And on that very day, their plans come to nothing. So you can't depend on human princes, on human power and influence. One, because they're just not faithful and they'll let you down. But another reason you can't depend on them is because we're so, our lives as human beings are so fleeting and transitory. We're here today and then gone tomorrow. I mean, just think about even the way that our government works. The way our government works is we, we put our hope in elected individuals whether it be the White House or in Congress or those who sit on the bench, and, and we put our hope for change in them. But what happens? Everything changes every two years, right? Every two years, every four years, every eight years, everything changes. And, and this is not a political statement. This is just a statement of reality that when a new president comes in, he undoes everything the, pre, the previous president did. And so there's no hope for any lasting results and lasting fulfillment because we come and we go. 
And that's true of human beings throughout our lives is we only last so long. We can only accomplish so much. And many of our plans and our purposes and our promises, they will go unfulfilled because we don't have the power or the endurance to fulfill them. And so there is the disappointment of unfulfilled plans and promises. You put your trust in princes, but they can't save. They pass away and all of their plans come to nothing. Unfulfilled plans and promises. So that's the frustrating situation of those who depend on human strength. But here's the blessed situation of those who depend on God, their father. So whereas human strength is limited and it can't accomplish all that it promises, are there any limitations on God's strength? None at all. So the the infinite power of God, the certainty of divine power, And then also, God is contrasted with man because man fades away and he dies. But God, our Father, does not, does he? God, our Father, endures. And so there is the endurance of the eternal. And then there's also the hope of unfailing plans and promises. So humans promise things. They offer up all these promises of what they can deliver, and they never deliver on them. One, because... Sometimes they don't tell the truth, and they don't really mean what they say. But even when they do mean what they say, they don't always have the capability or the power or the influence to pull it off. And frankly, we just don't last that long to be able to fulfill all of our promises and plans. None of those problems are true of God. God's power can't fail. His life can't fail because he endures forever. And his promises won't fail because he's infinitely faithful. And so putting your trust in man, it's going to fail you. Putting your trust in God, it will bless you. A father you can depend on. We see a father who does what is right. A father who does what is right. In verse 7 and 8, we see that this loving father upholds the cause of the oppressed He gives food to the hungry. He sets the prisoners free. He gives sight to the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down, and he loves the righteous. This is a father who does what is right. He upholds justice for the oppressed. He cares about those who are hurting. He cares about those who are being stepped on. He cares about those who are being mistreated, those who are being cheated, those who are being robbed, those who are being oppressed by those who have influence and power. God cares about them. He demonstrates compassion for the afflicted, for those who are hungry, for those who are in prison, for those who are blind. And that's all kinds of categories of people, isn't it? People who are hungry, the poor, and there are various reasons why they might be poor. Maybe some because they made bad decisions, maybe some through no fault of their own, but they're poor and God has compassion on them. There are some who are in prison, again, maybe through their own fault, through criminality, through wrong decisions, they're in prison, God has compassion on them. Or maybe they're in prison for wrong reasons, maybe they've been falsely accused and the unjust system has put them in prison for the wrong reasons, God has compassion on them. Those who are blind, 
Those who, they, they are afflicted by things that happen in this world over which they have no control. God has compassion on them. He demonstrates compassion for the afflicted, and he offers love to the righteous. He is a father who does what is right. Now, let me just pause here for a moment, and as we try to apply this to our lives, and and by the way, not just fathers. This message is for fathers. We're thinking about the perfect father God here this morning, but every single one of these attributes of God can be emulated by each one of his children, can't they? Every single one of us, as children of God, we are to be imitators of God, Paul says. Be imitators of God. As his children. And so all of these attributes of God, we can seek to apply by his grace in our lives. So, though we are not perfect, let's be people that can be depended upon. God's the one you can ultimately depend on. But let's be people who keep our word, who keep our promises. Let's be people who don't make promises that we don't intend to keep, to fulfill. Use our dependable, faithful, heavenly father as a model for our lives. But also here in verses 7 through 8, let us use the Father who does what is right as a model of compassion and mercy for us. Are there times when we see opportunities to be a blessing, to be a help, and we let those opportunities pass by? When we see someone who is in need, whether that be physical need, financial need, Maybe an emotional need, just needing of encouragement. There are times when we see opportunities to be a blessing and show mercy and compassion to others, and we don't take those opportunities. May we follow the example of our Father and have, have our eyes open to those needs and have a willingness, have a heart that desires to meet those needs. And so he's a father who can be depended upon. He's a father who does what is right. And we also see in this psalm that he is a father to the fatherless. He's a father to the fatherless. Verse 9 says that the Lord watches over the foreigner. He sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord watches over the foreigner God is a gracious host to the foreigner. God is a gracious host to the foreigner. When you go back and read the Old Testament, and you read the Old Testament laws, there are many, many laws that specifically relate to Israel's treatment of foreigners and strangers in the land. How to be kind, how to show compassion, how to... uh, allow foreigners to glean in their fields, giving rest, even on the Sabbath, to foreigners who are even not native Israelites. So all of these laws that encourage the love of neighbor and the love of those who are strangers and foreigners in Israel, and always the reminder to God's people is this, for once you were foreigners and strangers in Egypt. And so God is a gracious host to the foreigner, and he taught his people to be gracious hosts to foreigners. 
And as God's people today, we need to be gracious hosts to foreigners, to strangers. Again, and these are dangerous waters to wade into, and I'm not making any policy announcements this morning. But in whatever, whatever our country does with regards to immigration, it needs to somehow balance the rule of law with this. I understand the rule of law and that you have to have laws and you have to have order and not chaos, but we also need to remember the heart of God which was open and welcoming to the foreigner, especially to those who were downtrodden and in need. God is a gracious host to the foreigner. He's a father to the fatherless. He sustains the fatherless and the widow. And so in a way, he's a father to the fatherless and he's a husband to the widow. He watches over those who have no father and he watches over the widow who has no husband and he cares for them. And he is a just judge to the wicked. He frustrates the paths of the wicked. So he is a father to the fatherless. He has his eye particularly on those who are the most vulnerable in society. And he takes notice of them. And he cares for them. He is a father who lives forever. A father who lives forever. The psalm ends with another call to praise. And it reminds us that the Lord reigns forever. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. And then may all God's people, here's that communal call again, come and praise the Lord. And so the psalm ends where it began, with the praise of God. And so God is a father who is worthy of praise. He is a father who can be depended upon. He is a father who does what is right. He is a father to the fatherless and those who are downtrodden. And he is a father who lives forever and can be depended upon. His life never ends and his kingdom never ends. The Lord reigns forever. Isaac Watts the great hymn writer, wrote a hymn based on this psalm. And I want to read the words of that hymn as we finish our time together this morning. Isaac Watts wrote this, I'll praise my maker while I have breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be past." While life and thought and being last, or immortality endures. How happy they whose hopes rely on Israel's God, who made the sky and earth and seas with all their train, whose truth forever stands secure, who saves the oppressed and feeds the poor, and none shall find God's promise vain. The Lord pours eyesight on the blind, the Lord supports the fainting mind, and sends the laboring conscience peace. God helps the stranger in distress, the widowed and the parentless, and grants the prisoner sweet release. I'll praise my maker while I've breath, and when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler powers. My days of praise shall ne'er be past, while life and thought and being last, 
or immortality endures. The Lord is a father worthy of praise because he's a father you can depend on. He's a father who does what is right. And he serves as a fatherless, as a father to the fatherless forever and ever. Praise be to God. And may we as his children seek to walk in his paths. Let's pray together. Our merciful father, we thank you that you took notice of us when we were lost and blind and imprisoned, enslaved to our sin, captive to our own depravity, dead in trespasses and sins. And Lord, you found us. You cleaned us up. You brought us home. You put a new robe on us. A robe of righteousness. The robe of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You gave us a new ring and new new shoes to wear. You invited us to the table. You prepared a feast for us and invited us to come and sit at your table. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, Father, by your grace. We thank you, Lord, and praise you for being such a perfect, loving, righteous Father. Thank you for adopting us wayward children into your family. And now, Lord, help us to learn more of the ways of our loving Father. Help us to be like you. May we be imitators of you by your grace and for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.